We're building ourselves up right now. We're building up our faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, Holy Spirit, have your way in this service today. Be glorified. Touch every heart. Move up and down every aisle and in and out of every row. Don't let one person walk out of here today the same way that they came in. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you would, just love on two or three people for me today. Let them know that you're happy to see them. Shake someone's hand. Give them a big hug. Speak life into them. All right, praise God. Many of us uh, growing up, and and a lot of us as adults, we still say this today. Uh, When someone asks you, how are you doing, what is a typical response? I'm good. See, that? uh, most of the people in here said, I'm good, right? Most people, if they're asked the question, how are you doing, their response is, I'm good, all right? And so today, don't put the title up just yet until I I tell you what it means. But today we're going to minister on the subject of the good life. And what does that look like? What does a good life look like? And so uh, I want to give new meaning to that phrase, I'm good. I want it to take new shape and new form in your life so that every time you hear it, it means something different than my life is good. It actually means that my life is headed in a, a, on a journey towards something that is very good. And so I don't know if we can get some wristlets as we go, but, but today I want to start a movement. And I want to begin to create linked up culture. And part of that culture is living a good life. And so good is an acronym. G-O-O-D is an acronym for get out of debt. And I want my business manager to research that and see if someone has that locked up. Uh, We can lock that up. I'd love to get us some little wristlets that every time you got to pull your wallet out, you've got to look at the good life. Before you ever hand someone a credit card, you've got to look at the good life. And it should remind you to get out of debt. So we're going to walk through a journey today. Uh, of some scriptures that I believe will be a a great blessing to you. We're going to look at five keys to living the good life. Key number one, the Bible does not prohibit debt. Okay, let's be clear on that. It does not prohibit debt. However, everywhere that debt is mentioned, it is discussed in a negative light. Now, let's look at some verses along these lines. Go with me to Luke chapter 16. I believe the main reason for this is it makes you a servant to someone other than God. And so I want to welcome everyone that's watching via Facebook Live, Periscope Live. If you're sitting in the service today, you can follow along in your YouVersion Bible app. Just go to the events section. Look up Linked Up Church. All of these notes are right there, and you can also put your notes Uh, alongside those notes. The main reason for this, again, is it makes you a servant to someone other than God. See, a lot of people might say, well, I work for UPS. I work for Linked Up Church. I work for, but if you have debt out there, you also work for Ford Motor Credit. You also work for General Motors, GMAC. You work for whoever you owe money to. And so in Luke chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, I'm going to read out of the Amplified to save us time this morning. Verse 1 and 2 says, also Jesus said to the disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a manager of his estate. Now, in the King James Version, New King James Version, it uses the word steward. Steward, uh, the Greek word for steward means that he is an asset manager. So what we all have to understand is that we're not owners, we are managers, And we're asset managers of everything that God has graced us with. So he says there was a, he's talking to his disciples, there was a certain rich man, he's teaching them a lesson, 
who had a manager of his estate. So notice the estate was owned by the rich man, then the manager had a responsibility to manage those assets. And accusations came against this man. They were brought to him that he was squandering his master's possessions. And he called him and he said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in an account of your management. That word management there in your King James or New King James, it says it means stewardship. And so the word steward and stewardship has two different meanings. Steward is a asset manager. Stewardship is the actual accounting of that management. So in other words, it gives us an audit of how you actually manage those resources. And so what I need you to understand from this story is God watches and he takes an audit as to how we manage his resources. You all still with me out there? And he pays very close attention to this because he's a business person. All right? So let's keep reading here. And he called him and he said unto him, what is it that I hear about you? Turn in an account. See, an audit of your management. Notice what he said. Of my affairs. For you can no longer manage any longer. Or you can no longer be a manager. Uh, The Message Bible says that he was fired. And so this person lost his ability to be a manager, not because of the resources that God blessed him with, but his mismanagement of those resources. Can you all see that? So most people believe if I can just make more money, I'll be all right. No, not in the kingdom. What are you doing with the money that that he's already blessed you with? All right, so drop down to verse 10. I'll read again out of the Amplified. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. I'll read again out of the Amplified. He who is faithful in very little, and the very little thing is faithful also in much. See, if when I'm faithful over 20,000, that's an indication I'll be faithful over 120,000. Do you all see that? All right, watch this now. I want to deposit something today. I want you to catch something. Look at your neighbor. Ask your neighbor, how are you doing today? Neighbor, respond this way. Say, I'm good. What does that mean? I'm getting out of debt. So he who is faithful in very little is faithful also in much. But watch this. He who is dishonest and unjust in the very little thing is dishonest and unjust also in much. And folks, we see this all the time. A person... Uh, who was broke, hit the lottery. Worst thing could ever happen to him. Right? And I started, for time's sake, I pulled four stories to show you over, over time and over history, those that actually were broke prior to hitting the lottery ended up being broke again less than five years later. In most cases, 12 months later, they were broke completely. So therefore, if you have not been faithful in the case of unrighteous mammon, which is money, deceitful riches, money, or possessions, then who's going to entrust to you the true riches? Which a lot of people define that as the anointing, uh, God, spiritual things. So let's just say the things of God. So in other words, if you can't be faithful with unrighteous money, then we know anything righteous is associated with God, right? So, so I want you to see that God really looks at how you handle natural things as to whether or not he can trust you with spiritual things. So no servant in verse 13 is able to serve two masters. For he will either, this is Bible, hate the one and love the other. Or he will stand by and be devoted to his money or God and despise his money or God. But see, that's what it's always going to boil down to. There are really two controlling forces in this earth. People who are controlled by God and people who are controlled by money. You cannot serve God and mammon, riches or anything in which you trust and on which you rely. So I need you to understand, he didn't say 
maybe you could a little bit. He said, it can't be done. It's not possible to serve God and money. Now, let's look at the bright side of that. He did not say you couldn't have God and money. Because how many know the reality is we want both? Am I in the right church today? Right? He just said you can't serve. And so I want you to understand this. In a person's life, he has one of two gods, either God or money. Either everything he's doing or she's doing is for God or everything he or she she is doing is to get money. And that doesn't work in the kingdom. Go to Proverbs chapter 22. And so the first point is the Bible does not prohibit debt. However, everywhere that debt is mentioned is discussed in a negative light. The issue is who are you served? Proverbs 22.7, the Message Bible says, The poor are always ruled over by the rich. So don't borrow and put yourself under their power. So don't borrow and put yourself under their power. So when you borrow, you become a servant to a bank. You go and you work 40 hours a week to pay a bank for something that the bank owns and you do not own and something that the bank is trusting that you will default on so they get all of your initial uh, payments and your asset because they usually make you take insurance out on that loan So that when you default, the insurance pays the loan, they keep the asset, and whatever original payments that you made. That's called a system, folks. So when you borrow, you become a servant to a bank, a business, a family member, a friend, or whoever you borrow from. You ever notice whenever you borrow money from a family member or friend and you can't pay it back, you avoid that person. Anybody in here know what I'm talking about, right? We, we avoid them, right? But we do banks and we do credit and we do visa. We, we don't answer the phone. We just don't answer the phone. We don't open the mail, right? Because we know that we've become a servant to whoever it is, or a slave is another way to say that, who, to whoever it is we borrow money from. This is why the Bible counsels us to avoid debt, Okay. I want to throw in one more. It's not on the you version. It's just in my spirit. Go to 1 John chapter 2. And so you've got to understand, you work more, you work for more than just whoever it is you go to work for every week. And so what they've done is created a system where they send you to work every single week while you can pay them interest so that they can be out on the boat vacationing. So, so what they're doing is using your money to work for them while they're out enjoying life. And we're making payments. See, we don't look at can we afford this from the standpoint, can I pay cash? We look at everything, can I make the monthly payment? And that's a poverty mindset. First John chapter 2, I'll read out of the Amplified again. How many of y'all know I've already said enough? We can go home right here and we've had a great service today. But I've got so much more to give you. First John chapter 2, uh, you all know this, that there's, man... Verse 15 says, do not love or cherish the world. That word world there is not the physical world that we live in. It's a Greek word cosmos, which means this world system. And folks, it is a system. And what he's telling you is don't love that system. Then he's going to tell you what that system is. Do not love the world or the world system or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves that system, then the love of the Father is not in them. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, which is craving for sensual gratification, the lust of the eyes, greedy longings of the mind, and the pride of life, assurance of one's own resources, or in the stability of earthly things. These things do not come from the Father, but are from the world itself. And watch this. That system is going to pass away and disappear. And with it, all of its forbidding cravings, the passionate desires, the lust. Watch this. But he who does the will of God and carries out his purposes in this life 
will abide and remain forever. So we've got to make a decision, folks. Do we want to do the will of God or do we want to do the will of this world system? And at some point, you've got to come to reality with that and say, today I'm making a decision to get out of that system. How are you doing this morning? Say it in unison. Say, I'm good. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. What does that mean? Let's keep going. Number two. If you do borrow, you must pay back all of the debt. It is wicked to borrow and not repay. It's wicked in the Bible. Go with me to Psalms 37. If you borrow, if you do borrow, you must pay back all of the debt. It is wicked to borrow and do not repay. Psalms 37, 21 and 22 says, Wicked borrows and never returns. Righteous gives and gives. I'm reading out of the Message Bible. Generous gets it all in the end. Stingy is cut off at the pass. So I just want to show you word associations here. Notice with the word wicked, the word borrow is associated with that. The New King James, King James Version, with the word righteous, the word generous or giving is associated with that. Can everyone see that? So generous just keeps getting. Stingy ends up being cut off. So if we don't want to be counted among the wicked, then we must repay any debt that we owe. It really doesn't matter if the circumstances are beyond our control. If we make the debt, then we're stuck with it. And I want you to listen very carefully because I've heard people say this, right? I've heard people say, it doesn't matter. It's not Christian. It's nothing they can do to me. All I've got to do is file for bankruptcy and I'm out of this situation. Well, folks, that's the world system. That's not God's system. I want you to listen very carefully. Just because bankruptcy is legal doesn't make it morally right in God's eyes. If you borrowed a dollar and you only paid back 25 cents, folks, you stole 75. And that's wicked in God's eyes. Might be legal in this system, but it's wicked in God's eyes. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 5. I'm going to read out of the message again. God takes no pleasure in foolish gabble. Vow it, then do it. Far better not to vow in the first place than to vow and not pay up. See, every time you sign your name on something, I mean, you've made a vow to pay for what you signed your name on. Everybody doing okay out here today? Show me some teeth. At least show me some teeth. All right, good. For instance, well, is that clear? Does everyone get that? Let's move on to number three. If you do borrow money, watch this now, you should only do so if you have a guaranteed way to pay it back. What I'm really referring to here is at the point of purchase. Let's break this down. If you do borrow You should do so only if you have a guaranteed way to pay it back. Let's talk about what that looks like. Then we'll look at scriptural support. For instance, if you borrow to buy a car, you should be able to put enough down so that the asset is greater than the liability at the time of purchase. Okay, so what does that look like? Cars depreciate 20% the moment you stick the key in the ignition and drive it off the lot. Which means if you bought it this week and tried to give it back next week, it would be worth 20% less than what you bought it for. Just because you stuck the key in the ignition and drove it off the lot. So let's use that with some understanding. So then you should have a goal to put at least 20% down or greater before you purchase a new vehicle or buy it used and pay cash. My recommendation is that you buy it used and pay cash and work your way up. Let me try this side of the room over here. 
But, Pastor, you don't understand. They just came out with that new 2007. Yeah, but they're going to come out with a 2018. Are you going to go through the same process again? And they're going to come out with a 2019. Did it have a few little things that your 17 doesn't have? Are you going to go through that again? When in reality, folks, they're all designed to do the same thing. Whether you play $1,500 or $150,000 for the job and purpose of a car is to get you from point A to point B. Listen to this, folks. You spend less than 5% of your time in it. You get in it, you take it to work, and it sits at work for eight to nine hours. Then you floss from work all the way back home so everybody can go, Ooh, did you see that? Then it goes in a garage, and you sleep for 10 hours, eight hours, nine hours through the night. Then you get up and floss on your way to work. Hello, somebody. And you park it. And you're making payments on something, folks, that nobody really cares about. I'm I'm telling you, work would be so much more enjoyable if the car that was parked downstairs in the lot was paid for. Instead of, I can't miss a day, I can't take a vacation, I can't miss an hour, because if I miss that payment, they come in to get it. And this is why you can't get caught up on 0% financing. It's all a system, folks. The issue is not did you get it at 0%. The issue is how much do you owe on it? And can you guarantee that at the time of purchase? Because they still bank on even at 0% you not being able to make those payments. That's why they're so popular. How many of y'all glad you came to church today? Good stuff right here, isn't it? Y'all want to hear a little bit more? So you've got to get out of the rat race. How you doing this morning? I'm good. What does that mean? See, every time you pull your wallet out, I want you to have a little wristlet on. And I want you to ask yourself, do I need this or do I just want this? See, there's one word out here tricking everybody. It's called sale. (laughs) If I don't get it right now. Well, what you've got to understand, if they marked it up 800%, did you really get it on sale? They're in business, Travis, to do what? Make money. You didn't get a deal. They tricked you into believing you got a deal. Listen, I left Detroit over 12 years ago. And there's still businesses that say going out of business. <laughs> They've been going out of business for 12 years, tricking people to come in there and buy these closeout sales. So if you don't do this, I want you to listen. This is a biblical term. If you don't do this, then you're signing under surety. A lot of us don't understand what that means, but it's biblical. Anytime you make a commitment today based off of future income. Example, I'm buying the car today. I haven't done my income taxes yet, but last year I got $5,000 back. So I know I'll at least get $5,000 this year. So I buy the car, watch this, today, and when I get my income tax check, but the, the problem with that thinking is this year you only got your old money. Anybody in here ever been there before? I've been there a couple of times where I just knew this year, whoo, we got all of this set up. You owe $1,400. That's putting yourself in a surety position. Anytime you make a decision today based off of future income tomorrow, you made a commitment, you cannot guarantee that commitment, and you're trusting some type of or form of future income to pay that debt. That is dangerous. So by signing surety, we are presuming on the future. Presumption, we already know where that gets us. So if everything goes as we expect, then we'll be able to pay the loan back. If things go wrong, as they often do, we may be left in debt. So if believers would observe this one caution associated with borrowing, 
the most they could ever lose is the security that they pledged against the loan, which is the down payment. That's the most you could ever lose. Why? Because at any point a financial challenge comes my way and the asset is greater than the liability, I can turn the asset in against the liability. You should think this way when purchasing homes. That's what got this country in trouble. Underwater mortgages. And they hooked you up, didn't they? We'll pay your closing costs. We'll defer your payments. Right? Why did it get so quiet when I went there? <laughs> they came up with all kind of creative ways to get money to you. And then they said to you, now, they didn't tell you this, but they told you, and then we just need you to, uh, uh, we can do all of that for you, but you've got to get PMI insurance on this loan. And they charge that to you. And what PMI insurance does is it covers the loan that you're paying for. You're such a high risk, they made you insure yourself. And they made you pay for it and tacked on an additional $225 a month to your loan. Why? Because they already knew you couldn't afford it. It's a system, folks. We've got to get out of the rat race. You know what causes most marital problems? Not money. Debt. Lack of education about money. It's kind of hard to be sexy. Somebody here know what I'm talking about. It's kind of hard to be sexy, and I'm hungry. My stomach growling, you talking about, let's, let's get it on. Let's do something. No, nah, what we need to do is get something to eat. It's also really hard to be sexy when you've got more outgo than you have income. See, if you understand security is the number one need for a female, she's not going to be free if she's not secure. I don't know what's wrong with her. She ain't giving me the attention because the bills aren't paid. That light just hit me again. I didn't. How are you all doing this morning? And if you don't understand that about a female, you cannot take that personal, guys. That's her number one need. She married you for security. Now, your good looks might have got you in the door. But security is the only thing that keeps you in that house. After a while, she will say, I can do bad. I don't need you to help me do this. I can do this by myself. You talking about, you remember when we, no, I don't remember none of that. I tell you what I do remember. That bill that's sitting over there on the table. Come on, somebody give God glory in this place today, right? <laughs> so this is especially true, listen to this, when co-signing a loan for another person. Do not do this unless you are willing and able to pay the whole amount for the person. Don't even do it for your children. My dad, can you hook a brother up? No. Get a job. Let me show you how to do this. Don't ever do this one, folks. Don't ever do it. It's my sister. She's the only one that... So, obey God. Listen to me, Marcus. I've had to tell my family members because they obviously watch you. They think you're just successful. I have to tell them, I can't do that for you. Why not, nephew? Because the Bible told me not to. I put it all back on God. Now, listen, do you want me to disobey God to do this for you? 
Now, let me tell you what I'll do for you. I'll help you get it. But my name is not going on it. Folks will do that to you, and you'll never hear from them again. Anybody in here ever experienced that before in your life? Look around the room so you can see you're not by yourself. Look around the room. Don't hide it. Put it up high. Put it up high. As soon as I looked over in that section, he went like this. Put that hand up high. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 18. Let's look at some supporting text. Proverbs 17, 18 says, New King James Version, A man devoid of understanding shakes hands in a pledge and becomes surety for his friend. Message Bible says it's stupid to try to get something for nothing or run up huge bills you can never pay. I believe with all of my heart, folks, most Christians want to give. You know why they don't? Debt. And so now you're at that place where who are you really serving? See, we all have to address this. Right? Do not accumulate long-term debt. Let's talk about that for a minute. Number four, do not accumulate long-term debt. Now, I'm about to educate you. You all ready for this? All right, watch this now. The longest term of debt God's people took on in the Bible, listen to this, was seven years. Okay? We're going to use this as a principle. During the year of remission called the seventh year or jubilee, the Jews were instructed to release their brothers from any indebtedness. And they did this every seven years. Folks, we're we're getting ready to create linked up culture. I'm going somewhere with this. Let's read it. Deuteronomy chapter 15. So you can see it for yourself. Verses 1 and 2. At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release of debts. And this is the form of the release. In other words, this is what it looks like. Every creditor who has lent anything, key language here, to his neighbor, a fellow Jew, shall release it. He shall not require it of his neighbor or his brother, fellow Jew, because it is called the Lord's release. A couple of things I want you to notice here. Notice the only debts that could exceed seven years were those made to non-Jews or from non-Jews. So now let me bring you up to 2017. Jews make up about 3% of the population in America, but they own over 90% of its wealth. Let me tell you why. Because they own the banking system. And they took this system in America and they served each other with it, but they served the stranger poorly. They created, well, let me not get ahead of myself. And that's not a bad thing because legally they could do it. Hats off to them. We just didn't know. But now we know. So I want to encourage you, and then I'll say some more things here, to use this as the maximum length of time you'll borrow from anyone. I'm primarily speaking in terms of a mortgage. Buy a home that you can pay off in seven years. Take out a 15-year mortgage, but set up a budget and a strategy to pay it off in seven. Are you all listening? If you're paying 30 on it, you pay three times more than what the house is worth and you gambled that it appreciated over that same 30 years and you are now at the whims of the, the market. Okay, let's talk about this for a minute. The world system did not try to hide this information from us. The word mortgage 
The word morgue means death. Gauge means grip. So as soon as you signed your mortgage, you entered into a death grip for 30 years. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good today. Thank you all for all of the encouragement and, and enthusiasm and energy that I'm feeling from out here. I can barely get through this information with the level of encouragement and energy that I'm sensing from out here onto this stage. I, just, I know I'm making the devil real upset. This is the last thing he wants people to be educated about. Mortgage also comes from a French word, more teeth. Death sentence. So I want you to look at what the banking system did. I'm not talking about a, a group of people, but I told you who owns the banking system. Right? So they only loan to each other for a short period of time just to get their businesses going. Then they release them. They took the same structure and added 15 years on to us. 15 years and made what's called a 30-year loan. If you look at how your loan is structured, they make all of their money the first 15 years. Then you start paying your house off in year 16. So you paid 15 years and saw $100 come off your principal. Somebody better talk to me out here. And you're talking about, look at what God blessed me with. Did he really? Or did you bless yourself with that? Can you give anything since you bought that house? Can you do anything since you bought the house and that car you riding around flossing in? Now, we're not going to talk about our clothes. We're not going to talk about our hair, our nails. You know, in the summertime, every week my toes must be done. <laughs> We're not talking about our cell phones. All this stuff the world has convinced us we need. When the only thing we need is God. Anybody glad they came to church today? I'm trying to get you ready for the holiday. Those ribs are going to taste so much better. When someone asks you, cousin, how you doing? I'm good. Getting out of debt. Let's start a I'm good movement. Because if you already have done it, then you can say it stands for God out of debt. Listen, I'm not telling you anything. We don't live ourselves. My family, we don't owe uh, anybody anything. And we've been on both sides of this. Let me tell you which one is better. Okay? Now, it's going to require discipline on your part. When we first decided to launch out into this, we were a quarter million dollars in debt. We owed $200,000 on our home. $25,000 on one of our cars. We've never really had credit card debt. All right? And we won at this. Every, we won at it aggressively. There's so many strategies out here. Get some credit counseling. If you pay half of your uh, mortgage or, or your mortgage at the first, another half on the 15th, they cannot charge you interest twice in a 30-day period. So then the second payment goes strictly towards the principal. All kind of strategies we employ. 
We did that for everything that we had, and we aggressively won it. She did her own toes. She did her own nails. I know some of y'all are like, now, we don't need to get out of debt that bad. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> she did her own hair. She did her own toes. She did her own nails. We decided not to eat out, and we just kept chopping that tree down until it went timber. Good stuff today. Good stuff. Last one and we'll close for today. The best way not to have to borrow is to follow God's laws and commands. Now I'm going to show you biblically everything I just told you so you can see it with your own eyes. folks. This is what's interesting. You know what they say about our people? If you want to keep, or people in general, if you want to keep information from them, just put it in a book because they won't read it. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1 and 2. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all of his commandments, which I command you this day, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on you and overtake you. Why? Because you obeyed the voice of the Lord your God. Let's just look at one of them in verse 12. Deuteronomy 28, verse 12. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heaven to give uh, rain in your land in its season. He will bless all of the work of your hand. You will lend to many nations. Watch this. But you shall not borrow. That is the blessing, is that you get to a place where you no longer have to borrow. You ask, why is linked up church? Folks, we could have we been in the building by now if we wanted to use the world system. See, if the church doesn't live it, the people will never live it. So part of my calling is modeling this behavior in front of you all. Believe it or not, we could have bought a building after our first year of existence. We didn't. We decided to save and pay cash. Now that we're in it, we've decided to rebuild it and pay cash. Now, that might take one year. It just depends on the freedom of the people. That could take one year. That could take two years. Here's the thing. Only thing I can promise you is we're not using a bank. Watch this. And we're not borrowing a penny. And I'm getting ready to show you why. So that's the blessing, right? However, if you do not follow God's commands, then borrowing will be a curse. These are laws that are in the earth. So God did not curse you. The system is cursed. And when you get into the system, then you're operating under a curse. Is everybody clear on that? Let's talk about what that looks like. Look at verse 15. But it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all of his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come on you and overtake you. Drop down to verse 43, and let's read 43 through 45, and let's just look at what some of this looks like. Remember what I just said to you. Another group of people saw this, read it, they acted on it. Verse 43. The alien which is among you shall rise up higher and higher above you. King James Version calls him a stranger, right? I'm going to show you who the alien is. It is not a group of people. It is a system, and it's called the banking system. I'll prove it to you. The alien who is among you shall rise up higher and higher above you, and you shall come down lower and lower. How's he going to do that? He shall lend to you, but you shall not lend to him. See, we all confess I'm the head and not the tail, above only and not. That's all connected to who you owe and who you don't owe. Wells Fargo is the head. (laughs) PNC is the head. Unless you're free from it, then you're the head and not the tail. Can I read a little bit more? Some of y'all right now thinking, man, boy, I'm ready to act now. 
See, if I'm married, my wife and I, we're going home, we, we're going to talk about this. We're going to have a real heart-to-heart on this. And we're going to sit down, we're going to get our head out of the sand, we're going to look at everything, and we're going to come up with a strategy and a plan. If we need to, we're going to go and meet with a debt counselor. Hello, somebody. And we're going to take it like a life-or-death situation. Think about this. You put a vacation on a credit card. Then you use the credit card the whole vacation. That light just hit me again. (laughs) And this is what you say. Let's just enjoy ourselves on this vacation. We'll deal with that when we get back. Well, guess what's waiting on you as soon as you get back? See, now we go on arguing with each other. We don't even remember the vacation anymore. (laughs) Or even worse, we on vacation. Don't order no food. We can't go eat nowhere. (laughs) All we could do was get here. Just look out the window. (laughs) See all those people on those jet skis? One year we'll be able to... How many of you know that's not a vacation? The goal is to pay for the vacation before you ever go on it. And then budget your resources that you want to enjoy while on vacation. So that you actually vacate while on vacation. And you come back refreshed. Come on, I've been there. You've been on vacation and every time you see somebody swipe a car, it just, it grieves you. We going out to eat again? What are you talking about? We just, it's the first day here. We just had breakfast. (laughs) I'm just helping it go down better. Somebody here know what I'm talking about though. Somebody out there on the inside, you won't let me know, but your head on the inside is going. You've done that one a few times. That's why we're here to help you folks. Linked Up Church is on the good program. And we've got to create a culture and a good lifestyle for everyone. All right. So moreover, all of these curses shall come on you and pursue you and overtake you in the form of interest payments until you are destroyed. Foreclosure, big old red letters. Repo man. I know nobody's never been through that in here. And that wasn't because I didn't make enough money. That was because I made poor decisions with the money that I make. You can live successfully off of $40,000 a year. I took care of my family with a $50,000 a year income. Family of four, $55,000 a year. Everybody understood the program. And what happened, God continued to, to bring us up because we, we managed the 50 right. Hmm? You all still love me? I need to feel the love. Can you just stretch your hands towards me right now? Pray for me a little bit. I'm just being a father. Educating. Notice, they're going to pursue you and overtake you until they destroy you. What is he referring to? Loans. Borrowing money. They're going to come after you until they destroy you. That's the purpose of them. They'll give you as many 21 credit cards if you want them. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that he commanded you to this day. Romans 13, verse 8. Let's read a New Testament version. Owe no man anything except to love one another. For he who loves one another has fulfilled the law. Amplified says, keep out of debt and owe no man anything. Except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor 
who practices loving others has fulfilled the law relating to one's fellow men, meeting all of its requirements. And so if we would just follow God in his commandments, you'll notice that your need for borrowing will be eliminated or minimized, if not eliminated altogether. Linked Up Church, I want to welcome you to the good life. Let's all stand to our feet and let's make a commitment to live the good life. I can remember when my wife and I first got married and I was really instilling these principles in my household. I was making sure the whole house understood I still do this with my children to to this day. And one of the the most important statements I ever remember making, and thank God I had a wife who, who bought in. But I told her, I said, baby, we will not live our lives looking like we have money. We're just not going to do that. We don't want to look like we have money and don't have money. Right? I grew up like that. They, they go buy the clothes, leave the tag in the back because they're just going to wear it one time. Then take it right back to the... See, that's people who want to look like they have money. God wants us to have money. He just doesn't want money to have you. So everybody in here has got to come to that place in life. Who are you really going to serve? You're going to serve God or you're going to serve money? Because you can't do both. If you ever want to really know and be honest with yourself to see what you serve, just go through your bank records. Look at what you give God and look at what you give the world system. And you'll see where your heart is. Let's lift our hands to the Father. Father, I pray that every person today, not just, they they didn't just hear this message or this word. They caught this in their spirit, Father. They'll go back home and study what it is that they've heard today. And my prayer for every person in this room is that you'll illuminate what's in their spirit. You'll convict them inwardly. That revelation will come across their mind. And through further study, Father, you'll grant them revelation and understanding on how to live this good life. And so, Father, I declare over this entire congregation and everyone listening uh, online, you're calling the body of Christ to live at a higher level. And so, Father, we make a commitment to you today. We do it corporately as a church. And, Father, I pray that people are making this decision in their hearts And I make this declaration over the entire body that we will live the good life. I want you to say it with me, church. Say, we will. Say, I will. Say, we will. Say, I will. Say, we will. Say, I will live the good life. Now, if you believe that, give God some glory and praise in this place today. Father, give them the wisdom on how to do it in Jesus' name. Look up here at me for a moment today. If you're in this building, you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to give you one of the best invitations ever known to man, and that is to come and be a part of the body of Christ by receiving the family of God, by receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Folks, he's got a better way and he's got a higher way than anything that this world has to offer. But you've got to be in the family and you've got to be on this team. So if you've never made him the Lord of your life and you'd like to do so today,